Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, yet yet again, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Akshaz Duvadula. Akshaz, how are we doing, man? You know, we're feeling good. Um, excited for Sunday, going to see what's going to happen, and I'm interested to see if, you know, there's been a lot of talk nationally that, you know, this Philadelphia team is just a cut above the 49ers. So I'm interested to see if that is in fact the case. I'm certain both of us here have a different opinion than the <laughs> national talking heads, but yeah. Yeah. Um, we were, we were just uh, kind of going back and forth jokingly before we started recording. We were like, yeah, we, we don't even need to record this because everybody's already decided that the game is over. Like it's already been done. Um, yeah, Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Congratulations to them. Uh, we'll see you next year. Uh, no, unfortunately, no, fortunately, that's that's good news. That means the game has not already been decided, already been decided, which is how I like my sports to come, uh, which is why I don't like uh, quote unquote professional wrestling because I don't like you know things where the outcome is decided by a scriptwriter. Uh, personally, I don't know how you feel about it, but that's just my my personal opinion. Um, yeah, I I. I think, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, a lot as we uh, preview the NFC Championship game uh, between the Eagles and the 49ers uh, from Philadelphia. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that are coming going to come into play in this game, for sure. And I, 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 for one, am looking forward to hopefully a good game. Um, the one thing that I noticed off the bat, I was kind of just going through the Eagles' schedule this year. Um, and, and the thing that kind of makes me feel pretty good about the fact that this is going to be a, a pretty solid game is that they have they played a, f- a lot more closer games than you would expect for a team that that finished the regular season at 14 and three now some of that is Jalen Hurts was out for what three games I think uh, towards the end of the season but even in in the first part of the year when they were playing you know when they were on that eight game winning streak to start the season there's a lot more like closer games in there against teams that you're kind of like, Oh, well that's interesting. Um, 
Now they like blew out Minnesota in week two and they blew out the commanders in week three. Um, but Jacksonville played them close in week four. Um, Arizona only, they only beat the Cardinals by three, uh, in week five. Um, Dallas played them close in week six. Um, just kind of going through a couple of their games. They <laughs> barely beat the Colts. They beat the Colts by one, um, after their first loss of the season. Uh, they played a shootout against the Packers. My point is, this is not a team that has like massively blown out team. It's not like they've been you know, like wiping teams off the f- off the face of the earth every week, week in, week out, like going out there just destroying teams. They've had a couple of games like that. They did that to the Giants twice. Now they beat them 48-22 in week 14, and then of course in the uh, wild or in the divisional game last week. But if you go through their schedule. There's definitely some games in here where you're just like, oh, okay, well, that game was a lot closer than you'd expect, given who the opponent was. So kind of an interesting team in that regard. That's an interesting point you bring up, because one of the things people have been saying to disparage the 49ers and to some extent the Eagles is this like idea of strength of schedule and how well you played against the teams. And, you know, strength of schedule is a pretty, like, it's an arbitrary argument because this isn't college. You don't have a choice of who you're playing. You don't have to win like pretty or bad, but there's something to be said about taking care of bad teams. And, you know, I haven't looked as closely into the Eagles week by week performance, but I have been privy as you have to the 49ers <laughs> week by week performance. Yes. And post McCaffrey integration as a starter, they've been able, with the exception of the Raiders game, they've basically been taking care of business against teams that they should take care of business against in a pretty substantial way. So just to like put a finer point of my strength of schedule question, according to Football Outsiders DVOA ratings, the Eagles have played the easiest schedule in the NFL. The 49ers played the second easiest. And then according to their Pythagorean win stat, so this is like a calculation of how many games a team should have won given the like statistical outlook of their season as opposed to like the actual game-by-game performance, the 49ers are at 13 wins, which is exactly what they have to end the regular season. And the Eagles would actually be third at 11.8. So... Just to, like, put a bow on it, I think these are two really, really, really talented teams that have taken care of whatever was thrown in their way, and there's a reason why they're meeting in the NFC Championship game. But I just don't think it's as straightforward as some people are making it that one's a cut above the other. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think there there are areas of both teams that you could go, oh, well that team has the advantage in this particular position and that team has the advantage in that particular position and um, you know, say what you want about the different areas. Like if I'm sure if we went through there, we could find uh, you know, strengths on both sides of the ball. And I'm sure there's, there's, there's parts of the um, uh, of, of even if you break it down even further, you'd start to get into the real minutia of like, yeah, maybe the Eagles have the best overall offensive line, but but you would probably take Trent Williams over all of their players on their offensive line, that sort of thing. But we're not going to really get into that. But as you say, this I think there is a case to be made. And obviously, based on the way that the season ended, this is the number one and number two seeds. 
Um, and I, th- I think there's a case to be made that at least in the NFC, and I think probably there's a small case to be made in the AFC as well, that we've got the four best teams in the NFL right now. Um, I, I think some people might have traded out Buffalo for can or for Cincinnati in that particular case. I don't know how that would work out. Um, I'm, I think there's a case to be made in both both areas, but I, I think we're looking at a very strong conference championship setup to a point where no matter how this shakes out from a sort of viewer perspective, I think we're going to end up with a good, with a good Super Bowl, no matter which, which way that, that, uh, that this works, the storylines are going to be great, especially if it's 49ers and whoever it is that they play, because it's going to be a rematch of sorts in either, either case. Um, so that'd be kind of cool, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game and my, my point, the whole point of that was in saying that and going through all those numbers what, that I was trying to, to express is this should be a good game. I don't expect a situation where the Eagles are just going to walk in and blow out the 49ers because they haven't really done that to a, to very many teams this year. Um, and they've played many closer games than they probably had any business playing against certain teams. And as you noted, during this run uh, that the Niners are on this 12 straight wins thing that they've that they've been racking off since since they won against the Rams in Los Angeles in week eight, um, they've pretty much done that business too. the closest games that they've played since then. They beat the Chargers 22 to 16 um, in that following the bye week uh, in week 10, and they only beat Seattle 21 13. Um, in that that on that Thursday night game, so it was a short week, and then obviously you mentioned the Raiders game; they only won by three in overtime, and then this Dallas game this past week in the divisional round. Other than that, they've been they've been taking care of business, and so I think what that means is we have two teams who are fully capable of playing against one another, and so what I think we're, we'll end up with, as we get as we'll get to in a little bit more detail, is probably a game that's a little bit more low, low scoring than people expect. And that probably it looks a little bit closer to what that, that Dallas game was against the 49ers where they're trying to feel each other out and there's a lot of back and forth and, and, and attrition and that sort of thing. So um, we'll get more into the details of that um, here as we talk throughout the podcast, but um, any more general thoughts before we get into some of those things? Just to like your point about the four best teams, so per so I'm going to use football outsiders for this because I think they do the best job just encompassing mm-hmm. the overall way the season goes per weighted DVOA. So this factors in the end of the season more than the beginning to get a better sense of how well a team has been playing. But also just by regular DVOA, the top five teams in the NFL were San Francisco, Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Philly. So. You're absolutely right that this is like the best teams in the NFL. And I don't know if I agree on whether the game will be close in terms of like low scoring. (laughs) I think we'll talk about that as we get in. But, you know, it's going to be it's it's a caliber of team the 49ers haven't faced very often. And that's not to say that the 49ers will wilt against them. They had a test last week against Dallas, and they more than answered the call. But as we'll talk about, Philly presents some unique challenges. And I think the 49ers simultaneously present some unique challenges for Philly. So 
it'll be it'll be a great one to watch and a fun one to discuss yeah for sure um so before we get any further um want to we'll look at uh, the injury situation for both teams uh but before we do that we actually need to talk about something that's not not super great to talk about and that is of course the the off the field situation that happened uh in 49ers lanes this week man uh actually i don't know if you remember but there was a time when it felt like the only news that was coming ever coming out of out of the 49ers uh camp was was off the field stuff and so um obviously we can go back as near as as the early days of the of the lynch and shanahan era to, to get the last of that and I don't know about you. When I saw this this uh, thing come about, uh, come through the the wire of uh, Charles Amena who getting arrested, I was like, oh man, are we doing this again? Um, obviously a bad situation. Don't want to comment on it on it a great deal. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. I know that's a weird weird position to a weird thing to talk about first and foremost. Um, obviously the team has already talked about it. They're aware of it. They're obviously doing or hopefully they're doing their due diligence to kind of figure out what it, what it is and what was going on and talking to people and that sort of thing. Apparently the plan is for Amenahu to continue to play. Um, I, I, I don't know about all that and what will happen. Um, as we'll mention in a, in a minute, he's also in their injury report. So who knows what will happen with that? Um, but yeah, I don't know if you, if you want to talk about that or if that's the, or if the less, less said about it, the better kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think the only thing I'll, I'll say, because we obviously don't know all the information or really anything beyond what has been yeah. reported in the news is, I whatever it is that happened, I think the 49ers have, especially after what happened with Ruben Foster, mm-hmm. really tightened up on it's basically getting player like having situations like this happen in terms of the tolerance of it and the players they've had and how they behave off the field. So for them to, I guess I'd say if I was in charge, I don't know. I don't think I would let Omenahu play this week. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the 49ers decision to let him continue to practice and play but they've clearly thought through the implications of their decision and have weighed whatever it is they need to weigh and are confident that their decision will be justified and you know I don't know why or what metrics they're using to make those decisions and I guess the only other thing is really that I hope the situation gets resolved peacefully, amicably, and it turns out there was whatever might be the issue in any case turns out to not really be an issue and no one gets harmed throughout the process. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agreed with all that. Um, And as you said, this was uh, something they we haven't had seen any issues with that since the Ruben Foster situation. And obviously that ended up being a terrible circumstance and blew up in their faces and uh, especially the way that they stepped up uh, to bat for him. But, um, like I said, in years before that, uh, there was a lengthy history of, of off field stuff, you know, related to like Alton Smith and Ray McDonald and all these kinds of things that came out. So, you know, we're, we're, they have done a really good job of making sure that character is a major part of these players. Um, uh, 
of, of their makeup and that these are people who have their head on straight for the most part. Um, doesn't mean that they're not getting into shenanigans, but they're not breaking any laws, which is really a major thing. So, um, but uh, injury related things, as I mentioned, Amena, who is uh, on the practice field, as you noted, uh, he's been limited in practice this week with that oblique injury that kind of kept him in and out of the game against the Cowboys. Um, Debo Samuel has also been limited this week uh, uh, so far with, a, with an ankle injury. Um, kind of not really sure what's going on with that. It, I, again, I'll, I'll probably say this a couple times. It it doesn't I, I can't imagine that it, unless it turns out to be something a bigger deal than. Uh, than what it is, I can't imagine it's something that'll keep him out of of the game on on Sunday. But here's here's open. Uh, Ambry Thomas has actually back been back to back at practice in limited uh, uh, stand. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> limited amount, I guess. Uh, this week, which is nice to see, just from from his perspective, he's been out for a long, 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 long time. Um, so that's nice to to see. Uh, Trent Williams didn't practice on Wednesday, but that was just his rest day. Um, it's back to full practice. He's good to go. Um, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, he had, um, some more x-rays done. We talked about this, uh, Monday, um, uh, in the, the post game podcast with, for the Dallas game, uh, doesn't look like, in fact, at this point it is with Thursday night leading into the, the, the NFC championship game on, on Sunday. Um, I think there's absolutely no way he factors into this game at all. Like, uh, we said on Monday's pod, uh, his likely involvement is I is down the road. If they win this game, I think there's a pretty good chance that an outside chance, at least, that he could be the backup for the Super Bowl um, if they if they get there. But right now, he's not there yet. So those, you know, relatively good news. Everybody's out there. It feels like it should be okay. Um, the two notable uh, DNPs so far this week have been the two running backs for the team, which is not good at all. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, neither of which has practiced this week. Um, I think I heard, I was listening to Matt Mayoko, um, Jennifer Lee Chan, they do uh, the 49ers talk podcast, and they were talking about how McCaffrey at least was out there during warmups and stuff on Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was Thursday. Um, So this morning that he was out for warmups. And then obviously they don't, they don't, they don't have media availability during the like actual practice portion. Um, But apparently the official thing, official stance of the team is he did not practice today. So we'll see. Um, he also said that there's zero chance that he's not going to play on Sunday. Um, I, I tend to think that those two moves are mostly precautionary. Like, let's make sure that these guys don't get any further injury. Expecting them to be OK and ready to play on Sunday. I don't, I don't know what thoughts you have about any of that. I agree, I think. For McCaffrey especially, he's had this calf issue that's just been at him like the entire week. And I think it was Nate Tice, who is on the Athletics podcast, or the Athletic. I think he was looking over the film and he said on Twitter that McCaffrey doesn't look 100%, which is totally possible. Um, It's all about managing him and making sure he can like give you the best effort he can. Elijah Mitchell's, I also, I mean, I just think at this stage in the season, everyone, basically everyone on the 49ers offense who gets hit a ton is hurt to some extent. And at this point, 
practice is always valuable, but definitely less important than making sure people are healthy for right. Sunday. Yeah, so yeah. like you said, just making sure there's not too much. I think McCaffrey said they're basically managing the load on his calf mm -hmm. so that he can be as close to 100% as he can be on Sunday. Yeah, all, all, all makes sense. I think, um, I mean, Trent Williams played the NFC Championship game on a high ankle sprain last year. I think it's going to have to be a little bit. It's going to have to be more of a major thing to keep these guys out of the, out of the out of this game. Would be my my read of it. But there you go. Um, as for the Eagles, they have an interesting. If you if you'd like it, if you'd like something interesting uh, that just confuses me to no end, um, go to the Philadelphia Eagles website and go to their injury report. Um, where they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve players listed um, as having limited practice on Thursday and no designation on Wednesday. Two players have limited designations for both Wednesday and Thursday. That's uh, offensive tackle Lane Johnson and cornerback uh, Avante Maddox. Uh, Johnson has a groin uh, issue and Avante Maddox has a toe issue. The other 10 players, um, James Bradbury, A.J. Brown, Fletcher Cox, Landon Dickerson, Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, Robert Quinn, Isaac Semualu, uh, Darius Slay, and Josh Sweat, all listed. This is bizarre. I've never seen this before. They're listed as limited practice on Thursday with rest. That's, that's very strange. I don't understand that. Um, I guess they're all veterans who've been around for a while. Um but resting them and them still having limited practice is something I've never seen before. So there you go. I don't think any of those names are, are in question. I suppose there's a chance that Lane Johnson and or Avante Maddox could be on the question, could be listed as questionable before the week is over. Um, but as we've said throughout the last couple of weeks, it seems like both teams are in pretty good shape heading into this conference championship game, which just like I said last week, I think is really good news because it means both teams are ready basically full strength to go out and, and take on the other on Sunday. Yeah. So I don't know if I've seen anything like that. It's, I don't really understand like if it was necessary. Like I, I understand that the NFL has these like really strict rules about being accurate with practice reports for a, that way you don't have like a competitive advantage, but I don't know. Like, do I like believe that like George Kittle is going 300% in practice right now, potentially like <laughs> risking his body? Actually, George might be, but <laughs> I, a, bit, I, a bad example. <laughs> I think like it's it makes sense to me. I do think there is a it's interesting that the 49ers seem to have a different like MO not MO, but a different mindset going into this game that the Eagles do. And this is not like a, the Eagles are like soft or something like rant. It's just more so I think the 49ers have last year, especially, but even this year been really from Kyle Shanahan down big on this concept of like momentum week to week and not giving yourself a chance to like slow down and let stop the ball from rolling and i think the eagles have by the luxury of being the first seed and then playing a giants team that really should not have been in the divisional round 
they've had the luxury of kind of like slow playing. And then, of course, Jalen Hurts was hurt. So their end of their year has been much less of like a cohesive rise as the 49ers Mm -hmm. have had. So I don't know if it'll have any impacts when we get to the game, but it's just it's an interesting like question of like whether the Eagles kind of like being very well rested, but not really having that explicit like week after week like grind it out, force yourself to basically be in the fire. They haven't really had that moment this year. And, you know, they have a couple players who are extremely experienced and have been through it all. But a lot of their team is fairly young and new to the whole playoffs experience. So yeah. might be might be something there. I, I don't know. I personally don't buy too much into the. Yeah, you're right, right, right. But if we if we buy too much into it, then our quarterback situation is a real problem. Exactly. <laughs> so we can't we can't we can't buy into it too much. I yeah, I think it is interesting, um, but not terribly. It's it's just sort of a funny looking thing on the like I clicked on it initially. I was like, whoa, why are all these players? Oh, what? I'm confused. Uh, they're limited. They're practicing, but they're resting, which I don't understand. But that's I'm not a football player, so I don't I don't know these things. Um, all right, so. Uh, one other, one other fun fact before we get into, uh, the, the, the things and get into the reasons for optimism, etc. So I was just curious because one of the big things that we make a big deal out of when we have, uh, when we have games in, in the winter time in these areas of the country where it's prone to, you know, getting cold and stuff. Uh, so forecast for Sunday's game is a very non-Philadelphia-like um, 52-degree high with no with no rain or snow or anything in the forecast. So um, maybe a slight chance of a rain shower, it says, on Sunday during the day. And it's going to be windy, but it's not expected to be terribly cold or, or anything like that. So uh, not something that would be too dissimilar from, I don't know, like the way it can get in the Bay Area from time to time. So... Maybe that all evens out, but but what I'm my, my, what I'm saying is they're they're the the advantage of like oh it's going to be 12 degrees and it's going to be snowing and everybody's going to be freezing completely out the window so that's good news. I also don't think that's like people say <laughs> this not. and like it's like okay sure if a player has literally only always played in California Texas or Florida their entire life then yeah. Maybe the weather's an issue, but I mean, Brock Purdy, Iowa State. Right. Um, George Kittle to Iowa. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Trent and, Williams was in Washington for most of his career. Like Ohio. I mean, what are we doing? It's <laughs> some of some of the ways people construe advantages. I think are. Right. Are, yeah, I mean, we were, we had this conversation last year leading up to the the Packers game, and it's like, oh, it's going to be really cold and snowy, as if the Packers, by the nature of playing in Green Bay, sometime like like it's a superpower or something like that. Oh, you play for the Packers, so you automatically can handle a cold. It's like maybe, <laughs> maybe you're from California and you get real cold. I don't know. Um, anyway, I just thought that was a a good little good little tidbit. Um, so before we get um any further off track i think it's time to get into our reasons for optimism and our reasons for concern 
for the NFC Championship game, man. We're talking about it again. Third time in four years. Um, so, actually, I'll start with you. Uh, your reason for optimism for this game. So, my initial thought has been what almost everyone, if you look at any, like, analysis of this game, people will tell you the 49ers need to run the ball because the – and I'm going to pull up the statistic itself, but – the Eagles have been significantly better against the run than they have been against the pass. They are, again, by DVOA, the best team against the pass and the 21st best team against the run. So in theory, there's a huge discrepancy there. I don't know if that's actually the case and if that really well describes this, the Eagles team now, adding Limbaugh Joseph and Dominican Sue, Jordan Davis is now healthy. But I think my reason for optimism for the 49ers is that of any team in the NFL, and I truly believe this, they are the most capable of making any game go their way. And I mean this in a very like, this is not like a detailed analysis of the analytics or some like game film, because I think the everything will show you they're very evenly matched teams, but the 49ers have this unique quality to them that they have a style. They want to run outside zone, play action pass, hit the intermediate part of the field, and they can play off that. They want to control the clock, let their defense rush the passer, rally to the football, play clean in the secondary, then get a couple big plays over there. And unlike a lot of other teams in the NFL, the 49ers are capable of creating that, that like that type of game. They can build a game to be, like we were saying, a low scoring slugfest and they thrive in those situations. So I think my reason for optimism is A, I think the Niners are equally as good, if not better than the Eagles. I think for every player on the Eagles, you can say is extremely talented. There's a player on the 49ers who matches that. And then B, I just think this defense has had such a talented like run that they have the capacity to do things against Jalen Hurts that he hasn't seen before. And this offense just has the ability to get the ball in favorable positions, even if the Eagles defense is strong against the run in this game, just like Dallas's was last game. Eventually, with the collective talent of this team, they'll find a way because we've been saying this ever since Christian McCaffrey got healthy and Debo has been back. It is almost impossible to have a defense that can stop McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle all at the same time. And if you aren't able to stop all four of them and all the other weapons the 49ers have on the side, you will be gashed. And I think the 49ers are just too talented on offense to really be held in check. Yeah. Um, as, as always good, good, good stuff there. Um, I, I actually did isolate the, the run defense. Um, you noted the DVOA and obviously I, I like the, the DVOA numbers, but um, I think to a certain extent um, some of their some of their rushing numbers that they've given up, some of the rushing yardage numbers that they've given up have actually been in like some of the larger numbers have actually been over the second half of the season um, as opposed to the first. Um, 
they they gave up 181 rushing yards to the Lions in Week One. Um, then they had a couple of really strong weeks where they where they held teams under under 90 yards. Um, then they gave up 124 to the Cardinals, 134 to the Cowboys, 144 to the Steelers, 168 to the Texans, and 152 to the Commanders in successive weeks. Now they've cleaned it up since then, but they've still had a couple of numbers that are interesting. They gave up 123 to the Giants in week 14. In fact, they are on a streak of um, now six games in a row where they've given up at least 118 yards to their opponents on the ground. And that's notable uh, because like that Giants game, the first one in week 14, they blew the Giants out. It was 44 to 48 to 22. So the fact that the Giants had 123 yards rushing didn't have any impact on the game, but it does. It is interesting given the way that that game was going. Uh, they gave up 157 to the Bears. I think most of that was uh, Justin Fields, if I'm not mistaken, um, <laughs> the following week, but uh, still notable. 115 to Dallas, 129 each to the Saints and the Giants in successive weeks. And even last week in the in the win uh, another blowout win over the Giants in the division round. They gave up 118 yards rushing. So what I'm saying is there's opportunity there for the Niners to do that, especially if if Purdy can uh, can do enough to can be, you know, efficient enough to force them to have to pay attention to the pass, which I think is an advantage they have over most of the other teams that they've seen this year. Right. Um, you know, if you look at the at their the teams that they've played this year, there's not a lot of quarterbacks on that list, say for maybe like Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott under certain circumstances. Um, I don't, I don't know that we could talk about week four, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence in that category. Outside of that, they didn't play a lot of like quarterbacks where you're like, Oh yeah. Like you got to worry about him completing passes and, and that sort of thing. So the fact that they are going to have to, to key in on on all aspects of it and as you said try to to pay attention to to all elements of 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 what the the Niners can do and all the players that they have and that sort of thing i think the other thing to keep in mind is that while they have you know probably one of the best defensive lines in football uh probably one of the better secondaries in football their linebackers are maybe an area where Kyle Shanahan might be looking and going okay i think i might be able to take advantage of of a couple of of space here they don't have the the it's it's not in that upper echelon like the rest of the of the group is. I think they have some some good players, but maybe some opportunities can be can be had there. And especially when you can throw George Kittle in there and Christian McCaffrey and maybe Kyle Juszczyk in that in that mix as well. Not to mention, you know, Juwan Jennings filling up that space and whoever else they want to get into the middle of the field to create some havoc. I think there's something there. And of course, my last reason for optimism is are we sure Jalen Hurts is totally 100% and I mean obviously at this point nobody is 100% as you mentioned before but are we sure he's not got some some leftover like concerns about that shoulder is there you know a, a would a game that gets real physical be detrimental to him I don't know I'm not saying I'm, this is not in any way saying you to go out there and try to hurt him or anything but you if it gets really physical is there a chance that that it could impact him I'm I don't I don't know um, so those are all things that pop into my head and reasons for for optimism um, for me. I think the last point is the most interesting and important. And yes, no one should intentionally try to hurt any other player. But you're absolutely right. I, From Philadelphia, people who watch the game in Philadelphia, 
there seems to be this I this argument that Hertz was avoiding contact a little more than usual. Now, part of that could just be he was like keeping himself healthy and safe and didn't really need to be as aggressive, which is kind of crazy to say given the fact that it was like a divisional game, but you know, it's the way it goes. But I think a compromise Jalen Hurts changes this game because Jalen Hurts is really, really good, but he's also really, really good at things that the 49ers defense are not so good at. And well, I guess I can segue this into reasons yep, for concern. I was going to say go right ahead. And then. Um, Jalen Hurts has the athletic ability to scramble, which is and design QB runs. The 49ers have been better against design QB runs. I think there's a stat that Kosh Antbarthen, who is on Twitter and has written for Niner Noise and Niners Nation in the past, said that the 49ers were second in the NFL against that. I don't know the explicit place he found the statistic. And that also seems like perhaps like skewed by outlier performances against mm-hmm. certain certain quarterbacks. But yeah. To be, so the 49ers really get gashed on scrambles. I think the last week we saw a really good example of that when Dak Prescott, fourth and eight, pocket collapses, wide open lane, rushing out in front. The other thing that I'm concerned about is the is Hertz's ability to throw the ball deep and down the numbers. So this is on offense. I think the 49ers are able to avoid getting gas deep because their pressure gets home and their linebackers take away and safeties take away easy, like middle of the field reads. So quarterbacks really have to intentionally target deep outside passes. And that's not always the easiest pass to make. That's not always the most efficient pass to make. And you don't always have the players for that, but AJ Brown and Devontae Smith have both had exceptional years and both of them will be able to stress the 49ers defense vertically. And I think that can be a place where the game can be changed, not only because they're like going to be positive plays, but 25 yards down the field, that's a chunk play that flips field position that can make what would have been a three and out now into a possible field goal. Those are the big plays that this defense doesn't really give up, but as we saw in the Raiders game and against the Chiefs, it's the type of plays that completely, completely decimate them. Then on defense, I think it's really the same issue as last week, but just amped up a little bit. Dallas has a better pressure rate. They're number one in the NFL. The Eagles are number two, but the Eagles had 70 sacks on the year. That's historically good. And they just have bodies that they'll throw at you and they go, one after the other. It's a lot like the 49ers defensive line, though you can argue that the 49ers have the best player. I think that goes without saying, but the Eagles probably have more talent as a cohesive unit. And, you know, Brock Purdy played admirably against the pressure, all things considered, and turned the ball over. But I think anyone who's trying to, who's trying to discount the fact that the pressure really got to him would be lying to themselves. He was clearly not the same quarterback when he was flushed in the pocket. He escaped the pocket early. He had to do a lot of trickeration just to throw the ball away. And it was a type of inefficiency that the Cowboys were able to use to really like gum up the 49ers offense. 
And that same concern could be in this game. There's also the chance that the Eagles just have a better secondary than the Cowboys as well, or worse linebackers. So some of these bad decisions or like almost sacks that Purdy has can turn into potential turnovers. And that's where the game just goes haywire is if the ball, if you give the Eagles more possessions. So, you know, that's probably the longest reasons for concern (laughs) I've had all year. And I think it's, it's a fair like concern. This is a really, really talented team, but at the same time, I'm sure if Eagles fans or whoever is thinking about this game or being honest to themselves, the list about the 49ers would be equally as long. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I, I was kind of basically had a very similar direction. I said last week that the 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 margin for error was was thinning as you go along in the playoffs because it's just how it works, right? Because the teams get harder because they're better because they've gotten that far as well. Uh, so theoretically, you should continue to play harder and harder opponents along the way. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. You know, upsets happen, these sorts of things. But by and large, that's generally how these things work, right? The team gets that you're playing gets better as you move along. That That's just kind of the, the function of, of, of how this works. And so we talked about last week about how they had to play a pretty good game. A, a clean game was especially important. Um, and while they didn't have an A game last week, uh, they played a clean game, which allowed them to make up for maybe inefficiencies offensively, that sort of thing. I think the margin for error has thinned up even more because of those things that you're talking about, because there's an opportunity where a pass that Trayvon Diggs dropped, for example, as an interception that maybe Darius Slay or somebody like that takes advantage of because he's a better player in, in the secondary. I don't know, um, just as an example. Uh, and so it's going to be even more important for Brock Purdy not to, not to allow that, that, that pressure to get to him. The pressure's coming. He's got to know, he's got to be, be ready for it and, and have a plan for what to do with it, but he can't be, he's got to continue to take care of the ball, which he has done for the most part, um, during this run. Um, and he generally doesn't put the ball in harm's way. One thing that I've, that I've noted as well is that he takes care of the ball when he is being hit. Uh, so we're not in a situation where he's he's not fumbling the ball, you know, he's not getting tackled and 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 losing control. So he, he's 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 doing a pretty good job in that regard. So that is going to need to continue. The whole team is going to have to sort of take on that, like we need to play our best game of the season so far to beat this Eagles team because they're they're probably, as you noted, the best team outside of maybe Kansas City that they played this year. Um, and that's just kind of the way it is. And then, of course, the other reason for other reason for concern for me is, as you noted, uh, Jalen Hurts is, you know, probably the best athletic athlete of a quarterback that they played in terms of somebody who's going to like get out of the pocket and run with the ball with regularity. Obviously, somebody like Patrick Mahomes can do this, but his M.O. is not like they're not going to run design runs with with him necessarily. And uh They've been better, and I think you noted the the statistic that they're they've been a lot better against those types of quarterbacks this year than they have been in the past. And anecdotally, I think that's just the case. But then you look at the Marcus Mariota game, uh, which was an unexpected sort of wrinkle. Obviously, this time they're going to expect it. They know what the Eagles are going to do. The other thing, the other one that you look at is the 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 Raiders game where Jarrett Stidham suddenly turned into this massive 
runner of the football, and they didn't really expect that. Again, I think they're going to be more prepared for 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 Marcus Marriott or not for Marcus Marriott for Jalen Hurts uh, to be a runner um, and to recognize that that is part of his game and it's a massive part of his game and it's something they're going to have to protect. Um, and their benefit, of course, for the 49ers perspective is that their linebackers are really good and hopefully we'll be able to to squash out some of this uh, this situation. So um, I'm right there with you. I, I think there's there's concerns on there. There should be concerns on both sides of the ball. I think anybody who's like fully optimistic about the outcome of this game, regardless of what side of the of the of the coin you're on, uh, you're outside of your mind is all I got to say. Yeah, it's going to I mean, it's going to be a tough one, I think, both ways. So I just want I do want to throw in one thing, because I did say earlier in the episode that I don't know if this will be a low scoring game. And. The reason for that is because of something you mentioned in terms of reasons for optimism and something Mm -hmm. we both mentioned in terms of reasons for concern. That's just the relative weaknesses of these two defenses and the head coaches in the offensive philosophies against those. I think this is the type of game where Shanahan has the capacity and the like schematic chops to really attack Philly's linebackers in a way where you could get points in bunches just with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, or George Kittle, and Kyle Juszczyk feasting on a talented group, to be sure, but just not the same caliber. And then the 49ers, it's deep outside routes. You mess one of those up like twice. That's basically a touchdown right there. So I think it might be one of those games where it really gets determined by a couple like big plays either way, which goes to show the margins of it all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a completed pass here, a missed opportunity there, and just something that can like change fuel position. Because I think if you ask either of these defenses, if you like go against either of these defenses and your plan is to run 16 plays down the field and get a touchdown, <laughs> I don't think it's happening. There's a much higher chance you mess up than they mess up. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, I mean, just as a a point of reference, uh, so each if you look at uh, yards per play, just yards per offensive play, the Eagles defense is allowing four point eight yards per offensive play. Excuse me. And the Niners defense is allowing five yards per offensive play. Um, so that suggests that it's going to it's going to be hard for you to move down the field at any great length and with any great success um, if you're just trying to matriculate at a very at, at a low clip. So or, you know, just move and run the ball. Um, obviously, it can be done. Uh, that's how the commanders beat beat uh, the Eagles way, way, way back um, in week nine or week 10. Sorry. Uh, when they did that, they they ran the ball like 41 times and controlled the the clock and ended up winning 32-21. Um, so it's it's out there. It's certainly a possible a possible way to do it. But I I'd like to think that Shanahan will be a little bit more uh, complex in his uh, in his methodology uh, in understanding that the Eagles are probably going to know that's how they got beat that one time, and they also probably know that that's what Shanahan would like to be able to do to them. And so it's like he knows what you know that he 
probably will do. And so he's got to think, you know what I mean? Like it's at this point in the year, everybody's seen everything. So it's, it's sometimes it's, it's going to be about who can execute better more than all the X's and O's because most people, you know, these teams have played however many games this season. They, they have all that game tape. There's, there's less to see and less to unveil. I think at this point in the year, more than likely. So it's just going to be an execution thing. Yes, for sure. It's going to be. And I think one thing we can touch on a little bit that might be a real factor is just the two coaches mm-hmm. on either side, both um, defense and offensive in Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan, D'Amico Ryans, and Jonathan Gannon, because there's been consternation from Eagles fans about Gannon and his relative um, passiveness in calling defenses. I think people were slightly, slightly more excited with the play against the Giants. But the real thing I'm interested in, and I want to get your thoughts on, is end of game, end of half, fourth down situations. Because, you know, I think both of us are on the same page that this is going to be one of those games where it comes down to one or two big plays, big decisions. And Kyle Shanahan really does not like going for it on fourth down and really does not like pressing the issue at the end of halves. So I'm just wondering, Nick Sirianni has been consistently more aggressive than Shanahan. Do you think that'll be a, that might be a big issue on Sunday? Um, I, it, it certainly could be. Um, in, in that, if it comes down to it, like, especially if the game is as close as we probably expect it to be right, then those little things may, may come in, in play. And so you'd like, you'd like to hope from, from our perspective that Shanahan will, will recognize that, Hey, I might need to be a little bit more aggressive, um, under certain circumstances that if we get the ball close, um, that sometimes getting three points might not be worth the, uh, the not not take not making the effort to score a touchdown or to get a first down or whatever that circumstance might be. Um, I don't know. I haven't really dug deep into Sirianni's tendencies as a as a as a as a head coach and a and a decision maker in that regard. Um, and it would I mean, I'm sure I'm, cert, I'm certain it would be very enlightening. I also know that they've 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 won a lot of games this year so but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's being more aggressive cuz Shanahan has also won a lot of games and they weren't he wasn't as aggressive um but um i don't know i, I it, it will be very interesting if to see if that does have an impact on this i think there's certainly a sense of as well that the the youthfulness of the quarterbacks i think what did i say this is the youngest um, the youngest conference championship game total age for the two quarterbacks ever. Um, they're like 47 years old combined or something like that, which is just, uh, which is just really nuts. Cause that's only like nine years older than I am all by myself. Um, so, uh, that's just, that's just crazy to me. So it, it certainly, that will be an in, an interesting thing to pay attention to. Um, and, and we didn't even talk about the fact that these quarterbacks have faced off against each other uh, in college uh, not that long ago uh, when Hertz was at, at Oklahoma and uh, Purdy was obviously at Iowa State. Um, so there are just a lot of things to talk about. And I think it'll be really interesting. Um, and and, and the it, it, I, I, I don't know, man, 
there's there's lots of things we could talk about this for for hours but we we don't have the time to do that because that would be very boring for a podcast to go on for hours and hours yeah i mean there's so many there's so many storylines and i mean we haven't even dug really deep into potential like eagles tendencies in 49ers counters i mean this is quarterback notwithstanding these are without a shadow of a doubt the two best teams in the nfl definitely the two best rosters add in quarterbacks and gets a little iffy because of the Mm -hmm. outsized role but i mean this is these are teams that are just talented cohesive aggressive i mean this is this is akin to and this is not to like draw any like concerns or all like bad jinxes (laughs) this is similar to me to the 49ers playing the seahawks in 2013 Mm -hmm. where i think there was this like sentiment at least i felt this back then that these two teams were the two best teams in the NFC and probably the two best teams in the NFL. Yeah. 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 And it was just, it was that type of game where, you know, it was really the best on the best. Now this week, things will probably go differently because if they don't, and they're the same as 2013, I will on this game <laughs> recap be in complete sadness and shame for yeah, bringing, for, for bringing it up, even mentioning it. That was just wrong of you. <laughs> so for for my sake for my personal sanity but also so i don't feel like i jinxed you guys 49ers please win this game well yeah i'm I'm all for that so let's uh let's let's that's the again you're you're just segueing in like like a pro here um without even realizing it so let's move into the final section let's do predictions I, i'm i i don't know about you but this is this is so hard for me to, to decide but I'm, I'm gonna let you go first because i'm such a nice guy like that i i appreciate it so <laughs> i'm gonna want to go first <laughs> so i'll i'll predict both championship games we haven't even talked mm-hmm. about the afc yep, yep. Um, yep. afc first i think the bengals win by three i'm gonna say 24 21 i think mahomes is clearly like trying to play through his high ankle sprain but that's a that's a tough injury to manage to yeah. play through, and I just think the Bengals are defensively are more talented than Kansas City, and I think can the Cincinnati's offense has enough talent in its own right to keep pace with Mahomes. So there's that game. All right. Now to the main event, although it's happening sooner. Wait, wait, wait. Do you want me to do you want me to do the AFC first? Or do you want up to, to you? Do you want yeah, to... I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that right, yeah. first. Um, I, I think I agree with you. I think the Bengals win. I think it, Mahomes is he looked just so uncomfortable during the second half of that of that game. Um, and I know he's gonna try to play through it because he's a professional football player and he's gonna try. But we've, we've, I mean, we lived through the high ankle sprain season just a couple of years ago, and we had players out for like months with that thing. So maybe it's a lower grade. I don't know, but I, you know, I, I know they're gonna like. Try to tape it up and get him as out there as much as as he can. But his ability to like move and make plays off schedule and that sort of thing is so important to what he does. Um, I just think that's going to be really uncomfortable. I'm going to go a little higher. I think they win by a touchdown, something like maybe like 31-24, something like that. 
All right, now, now on and the main event that happens earlier in the day. The main event. Okay, so, um, so I'll say this: before the playoffs started, my gut prediction was that the 49ers would lose this game. I'm not going to predict the 49ers lose this game because I'm very superstitious. <laughs> but I'm going to say 28. No, not 28. I'm going to say 31-30 mm. 49ers win. I just, I have is that, this. Is feeling. that the Robbie Gold special or how's that going to work, you think? Mm, I'm not. So part of me really wants this to be uh, someone goes, the Eagles go for two and mess it up. And that just like oh. messes up the game. But it'll, it'll probably be a Robbie Gold special. I just think I have this feeling that these offenses are going to be able to get more than people expect on both ends. Hmm. And I think the other thing I will say is I do think the 49ers have the ability to pull away in this one. I don't think, I don't agree with the sentiment that the only way the 49ers win is that they win close and the Eagles can win close or they can blow the Niners out. I think this game can go any which way, but I'm feeling 31-30. All right. I like it. So you are going with a close one, just the higher scoring close one. Yes. Um, yeah, I like it. Uh, I went with the exact same score that you predicted for the AFC championship game. Uh, Niners win 24-21. It is a Robbie Gould special. Uh, wins wins the game. Uh, maybe at the death, maybe not. Maybe we get another silly, maybe the the NFC East runs another silly play at the end of the, at the, end of the game uh, that we can meme forever and ever. But uh yeah, Niners, Bengals, Super Bowl. You heard it here first, people. Well, probably not first, but you heard it here um, at at some point in your life. Uh, and then we get to hear for two weeks about how these teams met in the 80s, and it was great. And Akchaz was not alive to hear about that. Important. So, <laughs> important hypothetical question yes. that I'm going to double check. Unless you have, do you know which network is has the Super Bowl? Uh, Hold on. This is this is a this is truly great podcasting right here is when I have to pause uh, where I talk while I'm looking to see which network has the Super Bowl. And I can tell you that it's Fox. So I believe okay. that will be. Uh, I think Greg Olson and and yes. uh, the guy who did the last game, I don't recall his name. The other guy, Kevin Burkhart. Kevin yep. Burkhart. Yeah. OK. Greg That's Olson, good. by the way, very, very, very good, and I'm really okay with that. I'm okay. I'm like Burkhardt, I can take or leave him, but um, Greg Olson is like really, really good at this thing that he's doing now. All right, good. So completely unrelated, definitely counting chickens before they hatch. But <laughs> one of my one of my main concerns would have been an NBC Super Bowl and Chris Collinsworth. Oh, again? Calling, oh, yeah. Calling, yeah. Bengals 49ers. What would he have done? I is there can you recuse yourself as a broadcaster? You <laughs> would have had to. I feel like you would have had to. Because that would have just been unbearable to listen to. Luckily we don't have to worry about it, but um either way. So um the other question is do you know how how do they decide the home team thing with the Super Bowl? Is it that they flip flop every year? Is that how that works? Like That's the home team designation? Because the last because the Niners have worn white for most of their Super Bowls, I feel like. Because they definitely won white the last two 
And I'm I'm just ready to see the Reds for the Super Bowl. I know again, counting chickens, but under our circumstances where we have them winning their the NFC championship game, I would like to see the red, but I have no idea how that designation is made. I feel like it's a flip flop. In which case it is it is a flip flop. So the I NFC will the be end. the home game. Sweet. Sweet. All the more reason that they need to win this game, because darn it, we need to see those red jerseys out in the Super Bowl. It's been a while. Give me the 94 throwback. Red throwbacks. I don't think they would allow that because the NFL doesn't like fun. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, now we've gone into complete, we've gone into complete chaos and we've lost our minds. But um, yeah, uh, hey, well, it, hopefully it'll be a good game one way or the other. Um, I'm sure we'll be nervous throughout the entirety of it and and all that sort of good thing. Um, all, all I got to say is just give me a reason to watch the AFC championship game, because if we lose, I'm not going to do it. That's, that's all I'm saying, because I'll be too sad. Um, Akshas, any final thoughts before, as you are uh, prone to, to good final ones before we wrap this up? So I've been saying basically every episode to just <laughs> enjoy the ride. And that's true. This is like historic stuff and the season should not be discounted. But damn it, they're two <laughs> wins away from winning the Super Bowl. Who cares about the ride at this We don't point? care about the ride anymore. Give me a win. Give me another win in two weeks. I this is it. like, find your passion. If you're going to the game, be loud. If you're not, be loud at home. Just, you know, there's something incredibly like absorbing about being a fan and when you're a fan of the 49ers and if you were a fan back in the 80s or 90s and you saw their dominance and you're here now and they get so close and they're always a step short there's an investment that we all make in this team right and it can be painful when it doesn't come through but this investment is why we're fans it's because when it finally comes together and it's fine, you find they finally reach the promised land, you get that payoff. So, you know, perspective and all that is great. Keep that. It's a good coping mechanism if things go wrong. <laughs> but, you know, lean into it. This is this is incredible stuff. And be excited. It's NFC Championship, two best teams in the NFL, maybe. Chance to go to the Super Bowl to get number six. This is this is the fun stuff. As 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 I as I say every time. Well said, sir. Well said. Um, I, I have nothing further to add. That was that was beautiful. Um, but I will say this. Thanks for you out there listening to this episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. (laughs) 